worship the Lord together. He is worthy.
Sunday. I hope you guys are doing great. You're wearing your masks, staying safe, keeping your distance, and using plenty of good 81 proof hand sanitizer to keep those germs away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope all is well with you. Hope you're safe. Glad to see you back here on this Sunday. I'm excited. We are moving along on this theme, When the Going Gets Tough, and we are going to wrap up the book of Daniel today, and uh, got some awesome things to talk about. This theme uh, is, is a powerful theme for us right now in this world, in our history of mankind, uh, because there is, a, there is a separating of ideas and uh, belief systems and uh, philosophies of life more now than than probably ever before and so we are living in tough times and so the question is for us as believers is like when the going gets tough what are we going to do like what decisions are we going to make are we going to hold our ground are we going to stand tall or are we going to kind of bow down to the ways of the world and uh, just cave in. And uh, my hope, and I and I believe all of our hope as believers is, is that we'll stand tall and we'll face these things head on. And we're looking at a guy named Daniel who did just that. I mean, he was faced with some incredible tests and trials and attacks and, and in the face of, of even like death, Daniel stood tall and and I hope and pray to God that we will as well. James chapter 1, consider a pure joy when these trials come. They're going to come. They're taking us on a journey. They are, they're going to produce 
perseverance, that stick to itness, that I'm going to trust God <clears throat> no matter what. Like that's producing perseverance to hang on to God in the middle of whatever may come our way, anything at all. And so uh, Daniel stood tall. That's what we've been saying. We've been marching through the book of Daniel. We did an introduction on, on who Daniel is. And then we began to move through the chapters. Remember, in the beginning of uh, chapter 1, what we see is Daniel and others. King Nebuchadnezzar comes into Jerusalem and Judah, and he, he overtakes Jerusalem, and he carries these, these, uh, these uh, Israelite boys, young men, off to his kingdom in Babylon so that he can use them as slaves in Babylon. And so they're carried off, and what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams. He has lots of dreams and visions, and they, they torment him. They, they cause him great uh, strain and, and struggle as he wrestles with them. And um, he has a, a group of men who, who are supposed to be his counsel, like his wise counsel astrologers and wise men and magi, and these guys are supposed to help uh, him understand stuff, especially like dreams and visions, but they're unable to do that. And so the first vision he has is of this statue. Remember all these five different materials and this rock made uh, not from the hands of a human being comes hurling down and crushes all of uh, the statue, kind of indicating that, that there's going to be a king who is not of this world who will crush every other kingdom that ever rises up uh, against God or against others, that there is only one kingdom that will stand in the end of time. And then he has this, uh, he, he gets the, his uh, counsel to get him to erect this statue of, of himself. And, and he forgets about, you know, the God of all creation and, and the great God of the universe. And he erects this golden statue of himself and everyone's supposed to bow down. I remember Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego say, you can do what you want to us. We're not going to bow down. They stood tall in the face of death. And so they're thrown, remember, they are thrown into the fiery furnace. And what happens in the fiery furnace? Nothing. They don't get hurt. They don't get singed. They don't sweat. Nothing. They're just dancing around in there. And there's not just three of them. There's four of them. And the fourth one is the Son of Man. And he's in there with them, protecting them. And so the book of Daniel begins to unfold. In chapter 4, the, the king has this vision of this huge tree, this humongous tree. And it's a beautiful tree. But then he sees in the vision the tree is cut down and stripped. And it's no longer a good-looking tree. And Daniel basically says, King, that's you. That represents you, King. And what happens is, not long after that, King Nebuchadnezzar, because he doesn't turn to the Lord, Daniel points him to the Lord, but he doesn't turn. Sometimes people are not going to turn to the Lord, no matter how hard you try. But what happens is he ends up in the wild wilderness like a beast, crawling on the ground. And finally, he comes to his senses and he turns to God. In the next chapter 5, we see the, the king uh, making this banquet. And there's this hand that comes in and writes on the wall because they are, they are using the things of God. And they are, they are using the, the, the goblets. Remember that they got out of the temple in Jerusalem when they besieged it. And they're using them to party. 
and they're using them in wrong ways. And God is uh, not cool with that. And so he writes on the wall, your days are numbered. And uh, Daniel has to tell the king that. And so that's kind of where we got when we left off uh, last week was that Daniel, Daniel, the stage was set for Daniel. And Daniel is being used by God in a kingdom of Babylon, which is a kingdom of much darkness and worldliness and materialism and secularism. And a lot of the things that I think we are facing right now in our own world uh, was happening in the kingdom of Babylon when Daniel was called by God and inserted in the middle of the leadership around the kings and around the authorities, around people who made decisions and powers. And so he was in a very, very important place. And sometimes, you know, I think we find ourselves in situations where we're not comfortable. We, we would rather not be in that. We would rather escape it or get out of it. But for Daniel, God is saying, no, I don't want you out of it. I want you right there in the middle of it. Because it's right there in the middle of it that I can use you the most, not just for you, but, but for the people around you. And so sometimes we got to take our eyes off of what's happening to me and try to understand what God is trying to do in me and through me for the people around me. That's an important, um, an important principle of the kingdom of God. It is not about what we want. It is about what God wants, no matter how uncomfortable I might be. Daniel is in the heat most of the time. He is, he is uncomfortable most of the time. He is being uh, pushed and, and, and Babylonian culture is being shoved down his throat. And he could easily say, I want out of here. I'm, I'm escaping. But he doesn't. He stays right there in the fire where God Wants him. So we come to chapter 6, and King Nebuchadnezzar now is gone. He dies off, and King Darius, Darius is in power, and he appoints 122 satraps to rule with him. These are his advisors, his counsel, his guys that he's going to talk to about making important decisions. Well, these guys, they don't like Daniel, and so they trick the king into making an edict that basically says that everyone should pray to the king and to nobody else. They're not, you're not allowed, if you're in this kingdom, to pray to any other god but the king of the kingdom of Babylon, who is Darius. And so the punishment was that uh, anyone who doesn't bow down to the king and pray to the king or is caught praying to some other god would be thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel says, basically, look, I'm not going to pray to you, king. You can do what you want to me. Again, this is the attitude of Daniel. I'm going to pray to the God of the creation, the God that I have always worshipped, the God that I, I, I believe in and who made the universe and everything that we know. I am praying to him just like I have always prayed to him. And basically, king, you could do what you want with me. Well, they catch Daniel praying to his God, and they bring him before the king. And King Darius likes Daniel. There's a, been a friendship, a bond that has connected there. And the king doesn't want to do it, but he has Daniel thrown into the lion's den. 
And Daniel basically snuggles up with the lions. Like, they're supposed to eat Daniel. He's supposed to be dead. This is supposed to be the end of his life. And what happens is, Daniel is untouched because God is with Daniel. And that just goes to show you, when you stand tall for God, when you make good decisions, no matter how hard they are, that honor the Lord, God is going to honor you. He may not always rescue you from the lions, but if he wants to make a bigger statement, he will. He will. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said about the, 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 the fiery furnace, it doesn't matter, King. We're not going to worship you. We are going to worship our God, the God of heaven and earth, the God who made all things. We will honor him, and you can do what you want to us. That should be and must be our attitude when the going gets tough. So here's what happens. He gets thrown into the lion's den. The lions don't touch him. Chapter 6, verse 25, here's what it says. Then the king wrote to all the nations and the people of every language in, in all the earth. So what happens is uh, Daniel's rescued the next morning. The king is glad that he hasn't been harmed. He gets Daniel out of the lion's den. And what he does is he, he throws all of the satraps into the lion's den. And they get devoured. 120 of these guys munched like, like, like crackers, uh, like little saltine crackers in the lion's den like little snacks to these lions and Daniel is rescued by the king and the king writes these words and the king Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples every language in all the earth may you prosper greatly I issue a decree that in every part of the kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Now, that is a powerful thing. That only happens because Daniel stood tall, even in the midst of the most impossible situation. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. How amazing is that? That God again uses Daniel in this mighty way. Well, chapter 7, we come to chapter 7, and now King Darius is gone. So Nebuchadnezzar is gone. Darius is gone. Now Belshazzar uh, I, is, uh, he's gone. And now uh, uh, the, another Belshazzar comes on the scene. He is the king, and Daniel has a dream. And in this dream, he, has, uh, he visions these four winds of heaven, and he visions uh, four beasts that he sees in his vision. One with 10 horns and, and a one little horn that grew up, up among all the horns. It became bigger than all the other horns, like greater than all the horns, as if one king was going to be greater and better than all of the other kings. And, uh, and the vision is about that king. And in chapter seven, verse nine, Daniel says this, I looked, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took a seat. His clothes was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like, like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. His, and its wheels were like a blaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books 
were open. And so in chapter 7, Daniel has this powerful vision and this then description of the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. And it wasn't a vision, because Daniel lived in the Old Testament, it wasn't a vision of the Christ coming the first time, Jesus in the flesh. It was a vision of the Christ coming the second time at the end of all things. And what a powerful vision it was about the coming Christ. We go to chapter 8, and, and it's the third year of Belshazzar, the second one. And Daniel has another vision. It's this ram uh, that has two horns and a goat. And uh, Gabriel, Dan, Daniel wakes up and he, he's unable to understand what the vision means. And so Gabriel appears to Daniel and he explains to Daniel that this vision and the meaning is about the conquest of many kingdoms to come. And this, this was what was going to happen. And so we come to chapter 9. And what happens is Daniel, Daniel spends chapter 9, this section of Daniel's book, in prayer. And I want to read the prayer to you because, because, because it's just so important that in the midst of, of tough times, in the midst of political chaos, in the midst of rioting and looting and lawlessness, we've got to pray. And that's exactly what Daniel does. Like his 12 chapters, he's one whole chapter is devoted to prayer, but but his whole letter is about turning and seeking God along the way. And so here's his prayer of chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 3. Here's what happens. It says this, So I turned to the Lord, and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth, and in ashes. And that's like humbling yourself, lowering yourself as low as you can go to almost like reducing yourself back to the dirt, realizing and basically saying to God, from the dirt I came and from dirt I am. That's an acknowledgement to God that he is God and we are the work of his hands. Now we live in a world of people, that is the last thing on their mind. Not only do they want to be exalted, and, and given some kind of like priority. But they want supremacy. They don't just want to be exalted to some kind of equality status. They want more than that even. And here's Daniel, a prophet of God, being used by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is in dust. He is in dirt. He has humbled himself and is basically saying, God, I am nothing and you are everything. And that ought to be the attitude of mankind. That ought to be the attitude of you and me and every person created on this planet that ever has lived, is living, or will live. Because we are made from the dirt and the dust of the ground, every one of us. And in the presence of God, we should humble ourselves to the lowest position possible, right? That's what we ought to be doing. Instead of claiming what is ours or what we're deserved or what we're owed, that should not be the attitude of people. It should be God, use me to make the world a better place. Use me to love my brothers. Use me to, to help one another because we're all in this thing together. 
and we need each other. That ought to be our attitude, right? But in the presence of God, it ought to be complete humility. And so he says, I prayed to the Lord my God, and I confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands or commandments. We have sinned. We have done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled with We have turned away from your commands and your laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princesses, our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. That should be our attitude. Not we are awesome, we are great, we deserve anything. It should be we are sinful people. That's what we are. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness, God, to you. We and our kings, our princesses and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you, God. Therefore, the curse and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us. That's a powerful statement. There are times that God says, fine, you don't want to obey, you don't want to honor, you don't want to live according to my will and my ways and the word that I've given you, then you will experience all of the things that I have said and warned you against way back from the time of Moses. Because you have, we have sinned against you, you have fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. Yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. That's what we must do. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything that he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Look what he says. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all of your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and our iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. Not only to us, not only to you, God, but to the world around us, we are looking bad, and we are making God look bad. Now to your, to our God, now our God, hear our prayers and our petitions over your servants. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open our eyes and see the desolation of, our, of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people who bear your name. And, and, and Daniel prays and he pours out his heart to God. God, we have messed up. God, we have, we have done wrong. God, we have not obeyed you. God, you are righteous. You are holy. You are creator. You are, you are everything. 
And we, for, for even a moment, thought that we could do better or we could, we could take care of this on our own. And we have turned away from you, God. And Daniel prays uh, his heart out to God. And here's what happens, verse 20. While I was speaking and while I was praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, that's what leaders uh, should be doing, right? That's what our leaders ought to be doing is, is going to God and saying, God, I have sinned. We have sinned. We need you, God, right? Confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice, and he instructed me, and he said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding as soon as you began to pray, get this, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Consider the word or the message and understand the vision. Lots of symbolism in the vision. Lots of symbolism in what God is trying to do. Things like 70 weeks. Jerusalem restored, a coming Messiah, the Prince of People, and a covenant. And the, and the, the bottom line is that God, God will deal with the very source of evil. That's what God is trying to say to Daniel is, is you have now turned to me and I will deal with the very source of the evil in Israel and in the kingdom. And that's what happens when we turn to God. God says, I will deal with the issue. You give me the issue, I'll deal with it. Isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. Chapter 10, third year of King Sirius, uh, King uh, Sirius of Persia. Daniel has a revelation to Daniel about a great war. And in the vision, he sees a man dressed in linen, belt of gold, his body like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his legs are bronze, his voice is like the sound of a multitude. And Daniel saw the vision, but those who were with Daniel walking on the, uh, walking down the path, Daniel saw the vision, but those who were with him did not see the vision. And what happens is they're overrun with terror, they are or fear. They are overwhelmed with fear. They're watching Daniel. They don't see the vision. Daniel's seeing the vision, and they're looking at Daniel, and they're going, "Whoa, whatever's going on in Daniel's vision is too powerful for us." They ran and they hid. These are men. They ran and they hid at at Daniel seeing a vision that they're not even seeing. That's pretty powerful, pretty crazy. And then this vision has all kinds of crazy things in it in this vision in chapter 10. Chapter 11, we come to chapter 11, and uh, there's this vision or uh, this period, I should say, of the kings of the south and the kings of the north. And it's a time of, um, of, of uh, like a chess match of the kings and the kingdoms for a period of time of them taking over each other. This king rises up, he takes over these kingdoms. This king rises up, he takes over these kingdoms. And then there's this battle going on. And it reads kind of like chapter 11, reads like a soap opera. Lots going on there. There's riches, there's kings, there's queens, there's royalty, there's splendor, there's invaders, there's property, there's castles, there's swords, there's battles, and there's plunder. 
there's all kinds of just wild and crazy conflict going on on the earth among the major kingdoms of the earth. That's crazy. That's Daniel chapter 11. We come to Daniel 12, the last chapter. And what happens is Daniel speaks about the end time again. And so in the book of Daniel now, several times we have seen Daniel speak about the end of time. Now remember, Daniel Daniel is before Jesus. So he's, he's not speaking necessarily about the time of Jesus, even though he speaks of Jesus. He is speaking about the second coming, the end of all things. And so there's lots of uh, professional pastors out there and and uh, professors and um, scholars who talk about the end times, and they use a lot of what Daniel said to kind of support what they think is going to happen in the end of time. I'm just sharing with you what Daniel is saying. I'm not trying to make it into anything else. But in chapter 12, Daniel speaks of the last time, of the end of time. And here's what he says in chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, he says, Michael, remember Michael, the, the archangel Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. Then, when it happens in the end, when Michael does this. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. <laughs> this has not happened yet. This is going to happen one day. It's coming and according to the way our world is going right now, it's coming quickly. We read about the signs of the end of time in the Gospels and what Jesus said. And we are living in the very end of time. We are, we are getting close, my people. Uh, here's what he says. Uh, but at that time, everyone whose name is written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, those to shame and everlasting contempt, heaven and hell separating the sheep and the goats. You read through the Gospels, you see these things. You read through Paul's writings and you see these things. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Isn't that pretty, pretty cool? Those who shine, he says, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Do you see that? Will shine, will, those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now don't don't you want to be don't you want to be one of those shining stars? Don't you want to be one of those shining stars who leads other people to Christ? Who lead other people to the truth about God's word and, and, and rescues them from the ways of this world? And the, the evils of the traps of the world that have sucked people in, that have sucked our, our, our institutions in, our colleges in, our, our universities in, that have, have begun training our people to think about things that are contrary to the ways of God. Somebody, somebody out here has got to be of those who are the shining stars who say, I am going to speak for God. I am going to stand up for God. I'm going to teach the ways of God. That's what I am going to do. And so what happens is, verse 13, it says, as for you, uh, he says, as for you, go your way till the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted your allotted uh, inheritance, 
Isn't that pretty cool? This is the end of time. This is the end of all things when, 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 when Jesus will return and separate the sheep from the goats and there will be a time of judgment and those who, will, who Jesus says depart from me will go to everlasting destruction and those who believe in Jesus and honor Jesus and live their lives for Jesus will go to eternal life and receive the reward, their inheritance that is to come. An inheritance that is greater than anything on this planet. Daniel. Daniel. So let's let's kind of begin to wrap it up here today. Daniel, his and his letter, there's so much, there's so much information in here. And he he goes through so many twists and turns in his life, ups and downs. And yet through it all, Daniel stands tall. Daniel stood tall and strong for the Lord. I want to be like Daniel. <clears throat> no matter what happens in the world, I want to be like Daniel. I want to be more and more like a guy who is so focused on, on the Lord that it doesn't matter what happens and how the world may crumble around me. I'll do everything I can to help people to, to make this place a better place, to leave it better than I found it. But in the end, I know that if it comes down to the Lord or the world, I know who I believe in and I know who I'm living for. And it will be him every time. I want to be like Daniel, full of dreams. This letter is full of dreams and visions, astrologers, magicians, enchanters, sorcerers that are summoned by the kings of the past to, to interpret what was going on, the visions and the dreams. There were rewards and there were punishments that were offered for those who could interpret and those who could not. In each case, all of the king's men, all of them could not make sense of the dreams that the kings were having during this time and the visions that they were having. Only Daniel, only Daniel had the wisdom to be able to interpret. Only Daniel was used by God on every occasion to explain what was going on. Daniel is God's man. Daniel is God's prophet and God's to the kings of all the nations of his time. God used Daniel to lead his friends and he, he led Israel through tough times. God used this one man to do that because he was willing and God used him in a mighty way. Be that man, be that woman, right? Be that person through many visions, through dreams, symbolism. His message spoke directly to his time. And God used Daniel to lead his friends and, and, and all the people in the nations to speak to the sins of the world. To prepare for the coming of the Christ, not just the first time, but the second time when Jesus is going to return soon. Daniel faced impossible circumstances and he faced angry kings. His faith never wavered. His vision to serve the Lord never swayed. Even the prophet Ezekiel came before him, wrote about Daniel. When he was talking about the sins of the land and he says this, even if these three men... Even if, Ezekiel said, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were living during the time of all this sin of Ezekiel's time, he says, even they could only save themselves by their righteousness, declares the Lord. 
They couldn't save anyone else. They can only share the message of the gospel. I can't save anyone else. I can only share the gospel. We have to decide. Each one of us have to decide. Daniel's name means God is my judge. And Daniel, Daniel himself, he lived up to his name. God is my judge. In other words, what he did was he lived his life every day as if God were watching. He lived his life as though it was on display before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation. Every day in his mind, God was walking with him and watching him every minute, every day, every week, every month, every year. And his life screams to you and me today, honor the Lord in all that you do. Be like Daniel and stand tall. Four things, four applications real quick about the book of Daniel. I know we covered a lot of territory. There's so much in the book of Daniel. And even though we did it over a three-week period, there's so much more that could be dug into. But here you go. Just some application from his life. Four things. Number one, Daniel stood in the face of brainwash. Remember that when the king first brought the boys over to Babylon and they, they were going to brainwash them into thinking and acting and living and being like a Babylonian trying to erase their memory of being an Israelite, erase their memory of being a child of God, and, and conform them into being a Babylonian. Verse 8 of chapter 1, Daniel was resolved not to defile himself, right, with the king's royalty. In verse 12, he says to the king, test us, and, and if our plan works, then, 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 you know, you'll hopefully take note of that. And, and in verse 17, God honored their faith. This is back in chapter 1. He honored their faith and, he, and their trust. And Daniel, Daniel had special dreams. God blessed Daniel with the ability to spell, to be able to interpret dreams and to interpret visions. And in verse 20, in verse 20, not only were they more healthy than all the others that didn't, like that, that went ahead with the king's plan, the, 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 these guys... They were 10 times more healthy and sharper and wiser and better students than the guys who ate the king's food. And so Daniel won favor, but he didn't allow the king to brainwash him into thinking like a Babylonian. Brainwashing happens all around us, okay? Happens everywhere, right? Sometimes it's deliberate or even a volunteer kind of willingness. We allow ourselves to be brainwashed. We put ourselves in situations where we want to be trained in a certain way or to, to learn a certain technique, or we, we, we allow this to happen to us. But other times it's kind of subtle. It's a very subtle thing, right? And there's some subtle ways that the world tries to get us to do things, right? Uh, some of them are louder than others, but just some simple, subtle ways, like in our, our, our ads, our, our, our commercials, uh, maybe in our music, in, in teaching, and in religion, in different ways, the world is trying to brainwash us into thinking a certain way. The, the enemy is trying to, to manipulate our minds away from God. And he's using the people of this world. He's using the politics of the world. He's using Hollywood and movies and all kinds of ways to move us away from God and the God of all creation and the ways of the Lord. The world is striving to do that to you. We live in a Babylonian world. 
And the only way we're going to stand for God is by making a conscious decision to say, I am not going to allow the world to conform me, but I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to let God have control and keep control of my mind. And I'm going to be trained in the ways of the Lord. Remember, there's this removal and this replacement going on. The removal of God from our schools and from uh, our communities and from uh from, from society and replace God with secularism and Marxism and socialism and all the things that we see going on, evolution, that we were just like, well, there was just this big bang and it's the removal of God and the replacing it with, with materialism and, 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 and humanism. That's what's going on in our world. It's everywhere. You know it. I know it. We see it. Don't fall for it. Daniel stood tall. He did not allow himself to be brainwashed. Don't you either. So here's, let me give you some tips real quick. Some tips to consider as we stand tall in an ungodly nation, in an ungodly world. Here we go. Especially, especially right now in times of politics and in times of uh, like this that we live in where there's lots of weird, crazy, chaotic, dark things going on. And there's sides being taken and there's lines being drawn. And we remember that the Bible says, wide is the road that leads to destruction. And lots of people will be on that road. And narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. We are in those moments right now in the history of our lives. And we're going to have to choose what road we're going to be on. Are we going with everyone down the road of destruction? Or are we going to walk with God on the narrow road that, that only a few are going to find? we got to decide what road we're going to be on. But here's some tips. When it comes to your voting, when it comes to voting, consider. Consider the issues that are godly, that are faith in nature. We have to consider these things. Vote your conscience when it comes time to vote. Be responsible. Go and vote. Don't vote a party. Vote about things that matter to God. That's what we should vote for. Daniel is going to tell us who to vote for. Vote for things that matter to God. Here are some. Human rights matter to God. Equality of people. Okay, not the nth degree of equality that people are crying about. But that we are equal as people. Men and women, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. There's no black, white, brown, yellow in God's eyes. We are all one, right? We sang it from a very young age. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight and we all know it. So it shouldn't be about black lives matter or white lives matter or blue lives matter. It should be about we are human and we all matter because we all matter to God. He died for every one of us, not because of our skin color, but because every one of us have a soul, an eternal soul. And God is interested in the soul of every one of us. So when you vote, don't vote a party. Vote about things that matter, equality of people, Abortion should matter. The murdering of little babies should matter to us. Human rights should matter to us. Marriage should matter to us. Homosexuality and biblical truth should matter to us. God included in our society, in our schools, among our kids and what they're being taught, that should matter to us. See, as Christians, we have a responsibility to stand up for the truth and vote for things and people that represent God as best as we can, right? As best as we possibly can. We're not going to ever find the perfect politician, but we have got to line up with people who represent the things of God because that's what Daniel would do. 
That's what Daniel did. Any agenda that promotes anti-God or violence or lawlessness or murder uh, of, of the born or unborn uh, and marriage that tramples God's will and God's word, any, any agenda that supports those things is not a vote for God. Number two. Here we go. That was heated. I know, I know. It was pretty intense, but we are in some intense times, right? We are. Number two. Daniel stood and pointed to the king and a rock that crushes every other rock or every other kingdom. That's what Daniel did. In his first dream, remember, it was a mystery dream, and it was a statue of this, uh, uh, these, these different materials, and then this rock comes in that isn't made of human rock, uh, hands, and it crushes all the other kingdoms, all the other rulers, all the other authorities. Only God will stand in the end. Only Jesus, King Jesus, is the only king that we should worship ever. Ever. Against kings, Daniel was unafraid to speak about the truth. It didn't matter what he was faced with. If we don't repent, he would say, if we don't turn to God, he would say, we will perish. King, you will perish if you don't turn back to God. That's what Daniel said. He stood and he pointed to the king and the rock that crushes every other one. And that's what we should do, right? That's what you and I should do. Number three, Daniel stood in bravery, even in the face of death, right? That's what he did. And he did that more than once. Carried off as a slave. Interpret this vision or die. He was threatened. Bow down to this image or die. Pray to this king or die. More than we will ever know, Daniel stood tall and he boldly spoke out for the truths of God. And so should you and me. Number four, last thing. Daniel stood because he continually <clears throat> turned to God. Daniel stood up for God's will. Resolving not to defile himself with the stuff of the world or the stuff of a king. And God caused the officials to show Great favor and great compassion for Daniel because he stood, because they respected him, and because God was using him in a mighty way, and they they saw it. They couldn't ignore it. God gave him knowledge. God gave him understanding. In chapter 2, Daniel urged Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to plead for mercy from the Lord of heaven. He reminded the king that it is God who gives and God who takes away. You know, it's the Lord who does that. That's what Daniel did. His whole life was continually turning to God in the midst of everything and pointing other people to God. Turn to God. That's, that's where your hope is going to come from. Don't look to me. Look to God. Over and over again, Daniel is walking hand in hand with the Lord. Over and over again. And his wisdom is straight from heaven. And at every turn, Daniel is pointing his people to the Lord. In every vision, in every dream, God is using Daniel to point the kingdom and the king of the kingdoms to himself. And Daniel is just another arrow pointing people to the Lord. I just want to be like that. Just, just be another arrow pointing people to the Lord in the way you talk, in the things you say, in the, in the things you believe, in the way you live your life, in the things you participate in, and what you put in your mouth, what you put in your ears. Just point people to the Lord in all that you do. That's what we should be doing. The road to destruction is wide. And there's a lot of people playing the game who think they're walking with the Lord, but by their actions, they are on a road that leads to destruction. 
We have got to stop playing games. We're not going to fool God. And we know we're not fooling ourselves. We know we're trying to play this middle of the road thing where we can have the best of both worlds and you can't have them. You're either all in with the Lord or you're all out. The road to heaven and life is narrow. Stay on it. Get on it. Do whatever you got to do to get on it. Turn away from the ways of this world. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you and turn to God. That's what we should do. Daniel is God's man in a fallen world. <clears throat> when the pressure of the culture pushed against Daniel, when the grips of the political and powerful kingdoms threatened Daniel, and when the world around him seemed dark and hopeless, when the going got tough, Daniel voted for God. Daniel voted for God. He didn't put his trust in men. He voted for God in every situation, every time. He voted for God. His allegiance was to God. His trust was in the Lord. When the world is doing everything to remove God from our society, from our children, from our families, from our worlds and our neighborhoods and our TVs and our radios, when the world is trying to, to make God seem irrelevant and out of date, it is up to you. It's up to you to stand. It's up to you and me to stand tall like Daniel stood for the things of God. For the things of God. When the going gets tough, when the going gets tough, who has your vote? Who has your vote? Not who are you going to vote for in November, but who are you living your life for? If, if you're living your life for the Lord, and, and you seek, like Daniel, to honor God in all that you do, in all your ways, no matter what happens or what comes your way, then you're going to do the right thing. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna vote for the right people because they stand for the right issues. They stand for the things of God, or at least as much as possible. Vote for God this November. That's what I say. Vote for God this November. I'm not saying any of our politicians are God. They're not. They're far from it, for sure. But when you consider the things that are important to us as believers, to the faith and to the word, vote for things that matter. Vote for people who can't speak for themselves. Vote for things that represent the Lord our God. In all things, y'all, in everything, because our God is in control, I want you to know life is good. Life is good. That's a shout out to Phil. We love you, Phil. Life is good. Yeah.